This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in week 10 of Joseph. Um, There is a good chance we will have one more week, and there's a slight chance we will have two more weeks um, in the life of Joseph. Um, And then we are going to move into the book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, We will kick that off. Uh, Looks like either the last Sunday in July or the first Sunday there in August is when we will be there. So we're looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to that. So just kind of, if you want to read ahead a little bit in the next couple of weeks, the book of Ephesians is a quick read for you. And so please feel free to do that. Today's sermon is in the series, No Average Joe where we've been talking about the life of Joseph. Today's sermon is going to be quite a bit different. In fact, it's different than it was Friday, just to be honest with you. Um, And so the Lord just kind of worked in my heart uh, through this weekend, and that's okay. I like it when He does that, and it's ideally better when He does that on Saturday rather than Sunday morning. And so that's good. I appreciate appreciate Him doing that and thinking about me. Um, But Genesis chapter 42 today, in fact... The scripture is not going to be on the screen for you. I want to do that for a couple of reasons. I want to challenge you to look in your Bible, um, in your app, whatever you use. And then if not, just to listen and to just kind of soak it in this morning as we read our text. And this sermon is going to be a little different today. But let's read our text and then we will jump in. Chapter 42, verse 1, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Remember, Benjamin was the son of Joseph's mother, one of Jacob's many wives. Verse 5, thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all of the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. If you've been here since the beginning of the Joseph series or you know the story of Joseph, that is a dream prophecy come true, first time through, right there. Verse 7, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And from there on in the story, you see Joseph making it a little bit difficult on his brothers a little bit, um, accusing them of being spies and whatnot. And we'll get into the story. I'm going to tell it a little bit differently today. Uh, but you see him uh, basically say, I want you, for you to prove that you're not a spy, I'm going to send you back to your father. I'm going to keep one of your brothers here, send you back home, and tell you you have to bring your youngest brother Benjamin back with you. And um, as they leave, Joseph uh, has one of his servants plant uh, the money back in their bags. And so they are on the way home, and they realize, oh, no, they didn't get our money. So we stole all this food, and they're surely going to come after us. And so everything is going haywire and going crazy. They get back home. They tell their father that we, Simeon is there. He said if we come back, we must come back with Benjamin. 
That's where we pick up chapter 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. By the way, I think this is funny, and I don't know, but it's funny that they waited until they had eaten all the grain. So like Simeon's like chilling out in prison, you know, in Egypt. They're like, we're going to eat our food first. Like, I'm sorry. You know, but anyway, (laughs) go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel or Jacob said, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? And what we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? Basically, he asked us questions. We told him the truth. How are we to know? And Judah said to Israel's father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die for both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety from my hand. You shall require him if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags, carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts. Good choice. And almonds, take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise. Go again to the man, to Joseph. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Today we're going to look at this portion of the story through the eyes of the brothers. Through the eyes of the brothers, I'm going to tell the story a little bit differently today, but through the eyes of these Brothers, and I hope that you learn from it as the Holy Spirit impressed upon me. I don't know if you guys understand what it's like to have a complete outline completely done, and then the Lord's like, Nope, like I want stay in that same part, but I want you to do it completely different. And so the Lord definitely was leading me this week, and I hope He leads you in the same way. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, guard, guard and guide my words. God, I pray that you would help me to say what you would have me to say today. God, I pray that nothing would be left out that you would want said. And God, I pray that I would not say anything that you would have left unsaid. We do love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you have esteemed your word highly. And God, that your word is even above, in one passage of scripture, it's above your name. And God, we do hold up your word this morning as our standard. We love you today and we thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's been nearly 14 years. 14 years, and yeah, we think about what happened, but we never really bring it up, us brothers. 14 years ago, it was bad. Something bad happened, for sure. We don't talk about it, but we're pretty sure our dad has never been the same since that day, since that time. We've tried to move on, but in the back of our heads, we know he could still be alive, even though Jacob, Joseph, I'm sorry, is probably, probably dead. 
If he is alive, somehow he made it through that. He's a slave somewhere. He maybe is, is homeless somewhere. We have no idea where he is. We guess there's some consolation in remembering that we didn't actually kill him like we wanted to, thanks to Reuben coming in and talking us out of it. But here we are now starving at our home with no food. The famine that has come upon us is quite severe. And dad told us that there's plenty of food, plenty of grain, anything we need available in Egypt. And he's sending us to buy food. Egypt. That's the, the, the route. That's the, the area that those slave traders were heading to when we sold Joseph to them. But let's not even bring that up, as I said. I'm pretty sure it will be in the back of all of our minds as we, as we travel and as we go to Egypt. And this is the same road that he walked on. These are the same trees that he saw. This is the same dirt and sand in the desert maybe that he saw all those years ago. I wonder what he was thinking when he traveled those same roads that we're about to travel to go to Egypt. I wonder what was going through our brother's mind when we betrayed him and when we sold him into slavery. There's no telling. But enough of the sympathetic thoughts, because Joseph was the privileged son. I mean, dad preferred Joseph over me and all of the other brothers. Joseph was the privileged one. He was dad's favorite, and he's dad's favorite the same way Benjamin is dad's favorite, because he's the son of the favorite wife. Not sure why dad had to have so many wives. Would have made life a lot easier if he didn't, right? But come to think of it, Benjamin's at home right now and not on this trip simply because he was born to Joseph's mom. And then now he's the new favorite son. And I can't believe, by the way, that Joseph actually told us about those dreams that he had. That we would bow down to him. There's no way we're bowing down to Joseph. And then he shows up in Dothan wearing that coat, the coat of many colors, symbolizing dad's authority. You know, truthfully, he deserved what he got. And I don't feel bad about it. As we're walking down that road, we approach Egypt and they tell us that a man by the name of Zephanath Paneah is the guy we're looking for. And that's an Egyptian name if I've ever heard one. And we all know what we are to do when we come into this guy's presence. We are Hebrews. They are Egyptians. We are in their land This is their provision. This is their food. This is their grain. And so when we come into the presence of Zaphonath Paneah, we're going to obviously bow in reverence and show utmost respect because he literally holds our life and our future in his hands. Just bow and show him respect. But this guy's a little harsh. He's not treating us the way that we thought. In fact, he's accusing us of being spies and he won't believe us it doesn't matter i don't know what we're going to have to do to prove ourselves but we're willing to do whatever we have to we tried telling him about our family he asked about our father for some reason and we told him he is alive he asked us do you have any other brothers and we told him we have a younger brother at home and we have another brother who is no longer with us he paused a little bit after that but that didn't seem to matter to him he doesn't really seem to care But now he wants to meet Benjamin. This is all so strange. He wants to meet Benjamin, and now we're thrown into prison, and all of our brothers were here in prison for three days. All we want is food and go home. We were just making a quick 
Chick-fil-A run. <laughs> we, all we wanted were three number ones with some fries and some sweet tea. That's all we wanted. And now, and, but it must have been Sunday. <laughs> so, <laughs> but now we're in prison. We've never been in prison. In fact, no one in our family has been in prison that we know of. We're there for three days before Zephanath Panea brings us back and in, brings us back in and gives us an ultimatum. You can leave one of your brothers here in custody. You can return to your home, and you must bring your younger brother Benjamin back with you. I don't know what dad's going to say. I doubt dad's going to let that happen, just truthfully. But our question is, why is this taking place? Why is this taking place? In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. We start to figure out that, hey, maybe this is God's punishment on us as brothers for what we did to Joseph 14 years ago. Could it be? Okay, Reuben, we know you talked us out of killing him and sold him when you weren't around, but bringing it up now, Reuben, doesn't really help anything. In fact, we ought to leave you here if we're going to leave one brother here just for being a jerk. But we're going to leave Simeon. They leave Simeon with the Egyptians and we're going to head back home. As we fast forward several weeks, several days ahead, a lot has happened and I'm going to move through the story. On the way home, we found money that we had brought to buy the food. It was back in our luggage. We have no idea how that happened, but we have the food and we have our money. And certainly they're going to think that we stole the money and the food. And certainly they're going to come after us. We got, we got, not only did we get put in prison for three days, but now we've been sabotaged, basically. We're, we're, pretty, we're convinced that we're in pretty big trouble. And we get home, and of course, Simeon is not with us, and we try to explain it to our dad, and, and he's not listening. He basically believes Simeon is dead too, and so now in his mind, he's lost Joseph 14 years ago, and now he's lost Simeon now, and, and he doesn't really know what to think. And here we are. After some intense back and forth and arguing, we, we wind up after we eat our food, of course, bringing Benjamin with us as we return to Egypt. In fact, Reuben had to pretty much lay his life on the line to our father to allow that to happen. But this time, our welcome is a little different. Zephanath Panea brings us directly into his house. Certainly, he found out about the money. Certainly, we're on a wanted list somewhere. Hey, if these guys come back, they stole our food and they kept their own money send them directly to me. That's got to be what's going to happen. And here we are, taken straight to his house. Certainly he found out about the money, but does he know that we have double the money this time? We're, we're willing to pay not only for what we get this time around, but we're willing to pay back what we got the last time, and we really hope he shows us mercy. And mercy is what we got. In fact, he said that our God must have put the money in that luggage because... He wasn't missing any money. Kind of odd. And then he does something even more merciful. He invites us to dinner. Remember, we're here because we're hungry and we're starving and we're about to die because of a famine. And not only does he sell us grain that we could take back to our family, but he brings us in for a meal. 
for a dinner. He shows us mercy and then grace on top of that. We have no idea what's happening here, but it seems like this guy is actually trying to form a friendship with us, a relationship with us, this Zephanath Panea, this Egyptian. It's so interesting at the dinner table. The food is amazing, but it's ironic that the servers tend to favor Benjamin. They give Benjamin, in fact, five times more food than what they give the rest of us. And he's the youngest. We have no idea what's going on. And we have no idea what's about to happen next. And you don't either, because we're going to talk about that next Sunday. Um, we, I just pulled a comeback next week for the rest of the story. But what can we learn about this portion? Genesis chapter 42 and 43 in the life of Joseph. We just told the story from the perspective of the brothers. And I didn't do a as good a job as I, as I could have or should have probably. But from their perspective, 14 years ago, they sold their brother into slavery. 14 years later, they need something. I think we all know what's happening here and we all know that Zephanath Panea is Joseph. That was the name that Pharaoh gave him. And so the man that's in charge is Joseph. It's been 14 years of him looking like an Egyptian, talking like an Egyptian, learning the language of an Egyptian. They don't recognize him at all, at all. Um, they don't recognize he, he is ready. Um, he, is, uh, he is as as much of an Egyptian as he can possibly be. Talking like an Egyptian, walking like an Egyptian. Is that where you were going? Okay, two weeks in a row. We got music blended in. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do it today. If you weren't here last week, you missed my, my song. I'm not going to do it with it today. But Joseph was an Egyptian. He walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. He did. He was. To the point that his brothers, 14 years later, did not recognize him. And in their mind, they are in Egypt and this is the guy that's directly under Pharaoh. His name is really long and very Egyptian. Zephanath Panea. This is who we're coming to. We have no idea. But Joseph knew. But Joseph knew. And what can we learn? What are some truths? There are three of them this morning that we can learn from the redemptive story of Joseph and his brothers. Number one is simply this. There will come a time when you will need the one you have rejected. There will come a time when you will need the one that you have rejected. Remember, as we have gone through this entire 10 weeks in the life of Joseph, we have figured out that Joseph and Jesus are a great parallel. We figured out that we can learn a lot about Jesus in the New Testament by studying Joseph in the Old Testament. And we find out that through the, 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 the example of his brothers, that there came a time when they needed the one that they had rejected. And all throughout this world, people have rejected and are rejecting Jesus. But there will come a day. And there will come a time in every single person's life when they will reach for, when they will cry out for, where they will need the one they have, they have rejected. They will desperately need the one that they have rejected. And I, I hope for every unbeliever that's alive on this earth today that that time comes before eternity. 
I hope that that time comes in their life where they say, I'm in desperate need of the one I have rejected. And I hope it comes before they cross from this life to the next. But the one that they have spent their lives running from, he will be the one that they need. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and hath given him, Jesus, a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hey, there will come a time when you're going to need the person that you have rejected. If that time is one day in eternity, our knee will bow. If your knee has not bowed here on this earth to proclaim Jesus as Lord and the King of your heart as we sung about today, there will come a time where you will at least confess that He is who He said He was. And today I may be talking to some some folks with good friends or maybe relatives, brothers, sisters, maybe adult sons and daughters who are wayward and away from the faith. And I will say this, take comfort in knowing that so often the one maybe that we have rejected we come around to and we realize how much we needed him. Hey, these brothers don't even get it yet. Next week is forgiveness. I hope you're here for that. Next week is all about forgiveness. They don't even get it yet, but they desperately need the brother that they rejected. They need him. In fact, their lives depend on it. The, whether or not their entire family makes it, gets food in a famine, you understand If you're in a famine and you don't get food, you will die. So Joseph's entire family, all of his brothers, his parents, his mom-in-laws, whatever you call all his his mamas and all of his brothers and everybody in the family, they all rest upon Joseph. They need him desperately. It's life or death. If Joseph comes through, they live. If Joseph removes his blessing from them, his provision from them, if he removes that relationship from them, they will die. And I will say this, if you're running from God and you say, Josh, I'm obviously running from God, I'm here on a Sunday. I get it. But if you're running from God inside here, there will come a day when you're going to need the one that you're running from. You're going to need the one you're running from. And I will say this, I'm glad that I serve a God uh, like, like Jesus. I'm glad I serve a God like Joseph who was there waiting with provision, with the relationship. He was there waiting with whatever they needed. So one day, you will need the one you have rejected. Secondly, this morning, and this is very important, you may be seeking provision But Jesus is seeking a relationship. You may be seeking provision, but Jesus is seeking a relationship. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where Christians, we need to pay attention, close attention. The brothers were strictly traveling to Egypt for food. Give me what I need and I'm leaving. And they had no idea that Joseph was trying to restore a 14-year-old lost relationship. They had no idea. They just wanted food. Give me my food and let's get on. But Joseph wanted much more. And in our lives, we so often simply seek Jesus to provide for us. 
Jesus is our genie in a bottle. That's what he is. Hey, listen, I got a wish here. Let me rub the, that's another song. I'm not singing that one either. But, uh, but I'm going to rub the genie. I'm going to rub the bottle, not the genie. I'm going to rub the bottle. Genie is going to pop out. Sorry, man. Y'all didn't know you were coming to like a stand-up comedy routine. But, um, but you know, he's going to come out. He's going to grant me three wishes. And you know what? God's so awesome that anytime I come, he just grants me three wishes, gives me whatever I want, and I just move on, and it's all good. Hey, God, my bank account's running low. I need you. Hey, hey, God, things aren't going quite right in my life. Oh, I need you. Hey, God, I know I haven't needed you for the past six years at my job because everything's been going great, but now my job is... I don't know. I don't know the right word. My job is going under. My job is sinking. That's the word I was looking for. My job is sinking. God, I need you. Now I need you. Oh, God, I didn't need you for the past seven years when I thought my marriage was fine. But now my marriage is in shambles, and I need you. I don't know about you, but I can raise my hand and testify that that's me in my, in my life a lot of times. Hey, listen, I don't understand that I need God until God puts me in the valley. I don't understand how much I need God until God takes away my food. Children of Israel, Hebrew family. I don't realize how much I need Him until He's taken it away and we just seek for Him to provide for us, whether it be financially or maybe in our health. God, I hadn't thanked You for the last 15 years for my health until I got that report from the doctor and now all of a sudden. Or in our relationships. We simply want Jesus to give us what we want. But Jesus is simply pursuing a real relationship with each one of us. And you know what? Sometimes giving us what we want when we want it is not going to cause our relationship with Jesus to, go, to grow deeper. How many of you understand sometimes we get put in prison for three days and three nights? Hey, sometimes we get sent back home and he says, hey, bring your younger brother back. Hey, sometimes he questions us a little bit. Sometimes he challenges us a little bit. Jesus is seeking a relationship. We may be only seeking Provision. The Samaritan woman arrived at Jacob's well, thirsty for water, drawing water for herself and for the animals. But Jesus wanted to give much more. She wanted thirsty, she was thirsty for physical water. She left in a personal relationship with the living water. Jesus Christ. John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, speaking of the physical water, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman uh, said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I simply want to ask you today, Christian, speaking to those of us in here that are believers, can we stop just coming to Jesus when we need something? My children are only 9 and 7, but I'm assuming when they're 19 and 17 or 29 and 27, you know when I don't just only want to hear from my kids? Hey, Dad, can I get the keys to the car? Hey, can I get, I need... Can you loan me X amount of money? Oh, hey, you know, you remember, you remember, Dad, you told me not to uh, sign off on, on renting that apartment because it was going to be too much money every month. Well, guess what, Dad? Now I need money. 
I know that I was a little bit that way to my parents. I'm going to be straight up honest. And that's not the relationship that any of us want with our children. I don't just want my nine-year-old daughter to come and talk to me when she's like, Hey, Dad, can you take me to the movies? Hey, Dad, can we go swimming? Hey, Dad, can you give me? Can you give me? Can you give me? Can you do for me? No, what I think we all want in our relationships, no matter if it's parental or it's, uh, you know, husband, wife or, or some other boyfriend, whatever it is. We all want from our relationships for it to be a true relationship where we share the highs and the lows together. And we, we establish a deep relationship so that way when there is a need, they already know it and they're already there to meet it. I don't want God to simply be my savings account. I don't want God to be, he's not my emergency fund this morning. Can we move beyond simply seeking Jesus for what he can provide for our lives? And can we move into a real, deep, mature, spiritual relationship with Jesus? Where we wake up in the morning and we pray to him and we say, God, I don't need anything today. I don't want anything today. I just want to spend time with you today. If you are here, I just want to go to the Eno and walk through the trails and just pick your brain. Hey, I just want to hop in the car and take off, head west for two or three hours and turn around and come back and just talk. Windows down, you know, blaring Amazing Grace or something, of course. But I just want to talk. I just want to hang out. I just want to be there with you, Jesus. God, I just want to, I just want to have a relationship with you today. I don't need anything today. I don't want anything today. In fact, if I said I wanted it, you could probably show me how that's not even what I need. I just want a relationship. And you know what, Joseph, he wanted a relationship. And we're going to find out next week what happens. And, and, and many of you already know what happens. But Joseph wanted a relationship. His brothers had no idea. They simply wanted provision. And you know what, I think sometimes God sits up in heaven and he says, I don't think they understand how much I want a real relationship with them. And all they do is, hey, God, can you hook me up? Hey, God, can you give me this? And then lastly this morning, we have... First of all, there will come a time when you will need the one that you have rejected. Secondly, you may be seeking provision, but Jesus is seeking a relationship. And then thirdly and finally this morning, nothing you can do, I'm sorry, nothing you can bring to the table helps anything. Nothing you can bring to the table helps Anything, And we're talking about our, our relationship. We're talking about Joseph being Jesus. These brothers thought, hey, if we come back the next time, the first time we brought our money, certainly our money will help things. No, he returned their money. The second time he comes, listen, we're going to bring the amount of money we brought the first time, and we're going to bring double that, and we're going to bring some pistachios, come on, and some almonds, lightly salted you know we're going to bring some myrrh we're going to bring you know we're going to bring all this stuff we're going to bring gifts and certainly what we bring to the table this time is going to be enough it's going to be enough but their money got them nothing their father got them nothing their nationality got them nothing their travel time joseph do you understand that we just traveled x amount of miles to get here they got them nothing their dedication got them nothing their work ethic got them nothing their extravagant gifts got them nothing ephesians chapter 2 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god and it's not of works because we would boast.
Let's be real. Hey, if they got back and Joseph said, oh, great, you guys brought double the money and all these gifts. Here's all the food that you need. Take off, go home. They're going to come back and be like, Dad, we did it. We did it. We convinced him. We drummed up enough gifts. We, we did the best sob story we could. We looked what we did. He recognized what we did, and he gave us what we wanted. Think what we're going to find out in the next week, next Sunday, is that they went back to their dad going, it ain't got nothing to do about us. There's somebody you got to meet. We got to reintroduce you to somebody. Nothing that you can bring to the table helps anything. And as they finally will, in the next few, few verses, they will taste of the grace and the mercy that comes from Joseph and that he bestows upon them. Their names will not be on their lips. Their dad's name will not be on their lips. Their work ethic will not be on their lips. Their money will not be on their lips. Their nationality will not be on their lips. You know, their, their, their uh, diligence will not be on their lips. Nothing that they do or brought to the table is going to be on their lips. It's going to be the name of Joseph. Joseph's name is going to be on their lips. And let me just say this in our lives. There's no amount of church attendance. There's no amount of do good. There's no amount of kindness. There's no amount of generosity. There is no amount of hard work, picking yourself up by your bootstraps, working a little harder. There's no amount of, I checked off this box. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of anything that you or that I can do that's going to bring anything to the table. Because it's by grace that we have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works. Because if it was of works, you would boast and so would I. At the end of the day, we see grace. We see mercy. We see Joseph. We see Jesus. Because if you think you're bringing anything to the table, hey, God's got, God's got a way of reminding you that you bring nothing to the table and God brings everything to the table. Hey, our salvation is not 99% God, 99% Jesus, and we, we do that last 1%. No way. It's all Him, and it's none of us. In fact, the only requirement from us is to finally get to the place where we will acknowledge that it's none of us and all of Him. I don't know where you're at in your Christian life and your spiritual life today. I don't know where you're at at all. But if you think that doing a little more is going to somehow gain you a little more. It's not the way it works. If you think that, oh man, I'm going I'm to read my Bible today, and man, I'm going to read it, and I'm going I'm to, yep, done. Man, that's certainly, certainly that's going to, if we think anything we bring to the table is going to do anything for God, it's not. He does it for us. Joseph unconditionally loved his brothers. We're gonna, I, this is a preview for, the, for as we move in. He unconditionally loved them. 14 years ago, they tried to kill him. They, sold, they threw him in a pit, and they sold him as a slave, as an animal. They hated 
their brother. And you know what we see? We see Joseph loving and restoring and bringing them back. It didn't matter what they had done. It didn't matter. He brought them back. And I'll just say, make this statement today, and I hope we understand this. When we realize that God is going to love us and Jesus is going to be our Savior and He's going to love us and bring us into a relationship with Him, no matter if you read your Bible today or if you don't. And the Lord knows I want every one of us to be deep in this word. But did you know that God is going to love you the same if you open this book today or if you throw this book on the counter and pick it up next Sunday? Did you know God's going to love you the same? That's a tough one to get your brain around, those of us with legalism backgrounds. But wait, you mean if I don't check mark that off on my spiritual to-do list? Wait a minute. No, I'm telling you that he loves you the same. Now, let's be honest. For 14 years, Joseph and his brothers, their relationship was, it was distant. I mean, to the point that they didn't even recognize him. It was distant. But he loved them the same. He loved them the same. Can we today, as we leave and we go our separate ways, as we, as we go to work tomorrow, as we interact with people can we realize that nothing we say or do matters when it comes to all that Jesus has done? I don't know of a better way to put it than that. Nothing you can do matters when compared to what Jesus has done. You say, well then, Josh, why do we do what we do? Oh, it's the same way we're about to see what these brothers do. Man, Joseph, oh my goodness, he forgave us. Dad, come on, bring everybody up here. Let's go. I want to tell it. let's go. We're moving. Like, it's all good. Let's go. Let's that's what they did. You say, well, why, then how do we serve Jesus? Or why do we serve Jesus? We serve Jesus because he loved us. And we serve Jesus because he died for us. And we serve Jesus because he did everything for us. And if you do everything for me, I'm going to serve you with the rest of my life. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Today, realize we're going to need the one that we have rejected. One day, we will need that one. And by the way, as you sit here, one day, all those family members you've been praying for, they're, gonna, they're going to need him. Secondly, you may be seeking provision, but Jesus is seeking a relationship. Let's stop being consumer-driven Christians. And then finally this morning, nothing that you can bring to the table will help anything because it's all Jesus. It is not of works because you and I would boast. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.